Hi, my name is Chris Candy, and this is the Never Not Run podcast. Or no. <laughs> or do the NNR for it. This is the Never Not Run podcast. I'm your host, Chris Candy. And I'm Mark Nieto. Okay, we're back. We are back. Never Not Run podcast, episode 14. Woo! I'm, I know it's been a little bit of time since... Um, We've been on the pod, but we have been out there running races. We, uh, we, we, you know, we just can't be sitting on our butts here, you know, with microphones in our hands talking about it. We got to be putting in the work, and we've been doing that. Um, <laughs> You're right about some, that. Some more than others. Uh, you know, quick recap: I, I did uh, with Dan Fonder. We did take the bridge, which was a really fun uh, race. Um, Never not run. Came in last place. Uh, we had yeah, no idea. We don't, let's do a little bit more than the quick recap because I feel like you, it wasn't like you weren't, you were just out there, like you said, sitting on your butt. Like you were actually getting into some pretty, pretty serious stuff. What was Take the Bridge like? I mean, I, I, I was super fun. It's, it's uh, this one woman runs it. We got invited by uh, uh, the pod friend and team writer Gordon Clark. Um, and, you know, it's it's a it's it's kind of like a miniature Barkley marathon. It's only six miles. You have to accumulate various marks and and checkpoints. Like they don't release the route until like I think a couple hours before the race. Um, but it's fun. It's very competitive. Uh, it was cool to be over in Boyle Heights running around. Um, we just happened to come <laughs> in last place because we. It's it's not about the fastest racer. Gordon was telling me it's actually about the smartest racer. Um, it favors someone who's got the most, um, you know, uh, cunning ability to kind of hack the route. And um, Dan and I uh, just didn't have that knowledge. We literally got out of the car and um, so the the homies over at Silver Lake uh, Run Club, the track club, they were uh, looked at us and said, what do you guys' uh, game plan for this? And we were like, we have no idea. <laughs> so, but we had a good time and and uh, shout out to everybody who put that race on, and uh, and you know we'll be back. That's all I need to say. It's it's a fun race, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. A cool way to kind of uh, get into your city, and and especially I've said it once, and I'll say it again. The LA's got such a really great uh, running community going on right now, so we're just happy to show up when we can. And then we also did a Global Running Day. I, that was back on six one, and uh, Silver Lake Track Club did a uh, 6.1 mile run that day around uh, Silver Lake. That's kind of their home turf. So uh, yeah, went and competed in that. And I mean, that was just more of a fun run. And it was just nice to be out there repping uh, NNR. And there's just all these great clubs and, and, and people doing some fun stuff. And, you know, moving forward, um, we're going to be interviewing a lot of the various different clubs. I know, um, I, I know Silver Lake's definitely down and we're going to probably have them on, on, up and coming uh, episodes of the show. Sweet. Yeah. It was um, a little jealous that I couldn't make it to, to those events. Take the bridge looked awesome. Uh, I think you were the first one to tell me about them and from online observed their races. And it just seems like a really cool, cool thing they have going on. Um, and then global running day. It was funny. I, I ran it that morning not even realizing that it was global running day. And then I think you hit me up later in the day, like, Hey, you want to go to Silver Lake to run? <laughs> I was like, Oh shit. I guess I should have planned this a little better, but, uh, but anyway, yeah, it was, it, it looked great from all the, the images and footage online. So glad you're out there repping us. Yeah. For everyone listening, I've been doing this thing called push, pull and legs for like um, bodybuilding <laughs> and I, I'm new to it. And I've never really done like a dedicated leg day. So I, right now I'm doing lower mileage and I've been lifting weights at the moment, um, but I'm still getting runs in. But I did leg days before both of those races and my legs were so cooked on both <laughs> runs. Like my trainer, Adam, my buddy, he was just like, you are an idiot for going to do this stuff because they were just heavy leg days and it was just, you know, very, very brutal on my my system but the the bmi is going down the muscle mass is coming on and i'm feeling stronger and i'm i'm just really enjoying the runs um currently i'm i'm talking to you guys i'm out here in uh, portland maine uh gonna be doing some work up here got a run in this morning which felt really good uh just on a treadmill 
which was awesome to do a treadmill run. And, and Mark, where are you hitting us up from today? So I'm actually back up in the mountains, uh, not far from Bass Lake, where we did the Yosemite half. Um, I am up here, spending the week up here, kind of in recovery mode from the race that I did over the weekend, uh, which was also in the Sierra National Forest. So um, yeah, I'm just trying to kind of enjoy enjoy the scenery, probably going to go on some hikes to help, uh, yeah, help recover and just ultimately just relax, just kind of be up here and, and hopefully get into the park. Okay. So you didn't do just like some little race. Um, you basically, uh, um, embarked on your first ultra. I've never done an ultra. Um, and I think, uh, you owe yourself a little more credit than just saying that this race was similar to the, the races I've been doing. Um, Mark, why don't you explain to us what you just partook in? So I completed the Shadow of the Giants 50K. Uh, like you said, it's my first ultra distance race. Um, ultra being anything over a marathon distance. So this one was uh, about 32 miles and it went through, it started in Fish Camp, California, which is kind of the last town before Yosemite National Park, kind of at the southern entrance of the park. And so it starts in fish camp and then you just run through the Sierra National Forest. You, the kind of jewel of the race is this area called Nelder Grove, which is a, uh, a small patch of giant redwoods. And so you basically run out to that patch, do a loop around the patch and then run back to fish camp. And I, you know, I, I think... I'm still, it's a good time for us to be doing the podcast because I feel like it's still relatively fresh. Obviously, it's only been a few days, but uh, I still haven't even really wrapped my head around the experience. It was so insane and brutal. And uh, in a lot of ways, it reminded me of the first time we did the LA Marathon where you feel like you've entered into some new world, you know, you, you meaning like you've, you're entering into some kind of new adventure or some some new uh athletic feat or something i don't know i can't this part i can't quite put into words but yeah just the it's it's just kind of reflecting on on like the day spent outside out in the woods and and just kind of the just kind of overwhelming to be honest like it was just it was a lot and yeah i think i sulked for a couple days of you know of being somewhat disappointed in my my performance, but, you know, I think I just have to take, take some pride in the fact that I completed the first goal, which was to finish the race. So I finished that, finished my first ultra. And I think now I'm finally starting to come around again and and I'm excited about doing one again in the future. Oh man. I mean, I, I don't think you need to, um, sulk. That is a crazy feat, you know, and I, I know that the, there's a huge world of people running in ultras and even just talking to you right now, I'm just like jealous. I haven't been running more. Um, I am envious of what you were able to do, man. And, and I, I think it's, 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 it's so impressive. You've just like gone out there and done this like incredible feat. Um, and I think this is also a great episode for the listeners today because I'm going to be learning a lot. Um, I want to really get into the beat by beat of what you did um, what it felt like, because for me, I'm still at a place where I finish a marathon and I'm ready to be wheeled, wheeled off, you know? So for you to get those extra miles in is, is a goal of mine. I'm going to do it in my lifetime, but I don't really know how you train for it. I have a lot of questions. Um, and I, I know the listeners are going to have questions too, because a lot of people can't imagine running 32 miles and going to 50 K. Um, and I think also, too, it's important to say, too, you know, with the popularity of running on the rise, there is this desire to get more miles in. And that's not necessarily the mission statement of never not run. We really just encourage people moving. But that means you could be moving at like one to two miles or also going all the way up to what Mark's doing and beyond. So it, it, it is all encompassed in our love for running. Um, but I know you have some clips that you wanted to talk about. And really, I would just like to start this podcast out by getting from the beginning who invited you to do this insane thing 
and uh, and 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 run us through the race, baby. <laughs> well, yeah. So I um, last couple of years, I've been really lucky to spend a lot of time up here near Yosemite, and uh, that is due to a family member, a close family member of mine, my uncle Arnaldo, who. He has his own club, let's say it's called the 530 Club. And so they are a group of people, a group of friends, mostly based in Long Beach. And and they do Ironmans. I mean, their thing is doing triathlons together. Right. Most of them are a bit older than us, but you know, there's all different ages in the group. And yeah, I mean, their whole thing is they, you know, they're all professionals, they all have families, and so they wake up or not even they, they, they wake up before five 30, but they they get out to, to train at five 30. Wow. And so, but they're, they're really great people. They've been training together for years. I know a lot of the, a lot of them, I guess you could say I'm kind of an unofficial official member because I don't, haven't really gone down the, the triathlon rabbit hole yet. I've only done one in my life and it was, it was a short sprint one. So these people are training for, full Ironman distance. And, um, yeah. And so I, I knew that some of them had expressed interest in doing it and I wanted to do my first ultra. And so I thought, well, this just seems like a good, a good way to spend some time with family and, and get up into the mountains. And so signed up, we, we drove up to the cabin up, uh, where we were staying and, well, let me introduce you to some of the, the characters that you might be hearing from later on in the podcast. So there's first there's Arnaldo, uh, my uncle. He's one of the founders of the 530 Club. And then there was Lori. And Arnaldo and Lori did the 20K because there's also a, a, a shorter 20K version that runs along a similar path. And then I was doing the 50K with uh, Tuan and Viet Nguyen, who are brothers. And Viet was kind of the, the guy that I was looking forward to most to, to meeting and getting to hang out with because Viet's a serious runner. He's, he qualified for Boston and he's done, well, actually both him and his brother have done ultras before. Uh, his brother Tuan did the Catalina uh, 50K, I believe, or yeah. Mahler. And then uh, Viet did the Griffith Park ultra marathon. So I was just looking forward to hanging with those guys. And then there was my uncle's cousin Indolfo and Indolfo is from Reno. And this dude, I, I love this dude after getting to know him, spending the weekend with him. He, I think he just encompasses so much of what, of the spirit of never not run and, and the kind of people that I love meeting through running. This guy's a, he is like a serious, serious ultra runner. Like he has a ton of ultra races under his belt. He was telling me about this, I think it was a 180 mile relay race he did with his buddies and they have their own running club out there in, in like Reno, Lake Tahoe called ultra chongos. Like <laughs> I love it. I <laughs> love so, it. Just really, really good attitude. And, but at the same time, like really low key, just, and, and mm -hmm. you're going to, you know, I'll go into more detail too, as, as the, we get into the race, but just like a really good dude. I, he does, um, he does kind of like construction, like rock work. And so I remember at one point we were like talking about cross training and he's like, Oh yeah, man, like for cross training, I just, you know, I just like go to my job and where I lift 300 pound rocks. <laughs> like <laughs> that was how he prepares for ultras. He's like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't done, I haven't run a, a ultra in like three years, but um, you know, I'm going to give this one a shot. So just, just like a really fun, uh, just, really fun spirit to be around for something like this. And so he, he really kind of added a lot to my experience, this race. Wow. Shout out to Indolfo. And actually let me, let me play a clip. So this is, um, this is us in the car, I believe on the way to fish camp to, uh, the morning of the race. And so this is Lori Arnaldo and Indolfo in the car. All right, we're on the way to the starting line. Any Predictions for today, Lori? Predictions? Mm -hmm. It's gonna be fabulous. It's gonna be beautiful. That's, it. That's all. <laughs> no predictions for my time. Three hours, 26 minutes, 22 seconds. That's my time right 
Also, uh, yeah, it's so excited. It's a new place, new adventure, and new friends. Best of all. And so much fun already. Already. <laughs> yeah. Done. Perfect. Shout of the Giants, 50K. And 20K. 20K. 20K, 50K. On our way. No me digas way. Wow. Yeah, your your uh, your uncle, he's just so pre- precise on the time. <laughs> he's he's a real time guy. Um god, that clip just I'm excited, man. I got goosebumps like just this, the the one thing you can tell is just how excited everybody is and and then Dolfo just seems just like I I already love him. <laughs> it, 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 I know what you're talking about. He just has that kind of appreciation for for life and I think if you can have an appreciation for this type of you know brutal pain you're about to put on your body like it really speaks volumes to a person's character oh yeah and his just also his kind of um I don't know I mean we we talk especially the last episode we kind of get into gear and, and you and I talk about running shoes a lot and all that stuff and sure I think I just loved seeing and Dolfo just roll up. He, I think he had like a sleeveless co- cotton shirt on and just like a bandana with a visor. Like he was just rocking this like really just low key minimal outfit. It wasn't even, yeah. it wasn't any, a lot of tech going on. Like the kind of all the, the janky tech shit we buy for ourselves. He was just like, yeah, I'm just going to go out there in a t-shirt and do this thing. Yeah. That's just the, it's just the pure beauty of it. I mean, at, at its core, that's like the best part about running is you could just go and do it. All you need is like some shoes. And I know we always say that, but it's true. And, and, and that's so awesome. So you've got your team. You've got your ragtag team. Um, and it's to the four of you heading out there. And so what was, the, what was the, the start line like? What was the energy like? Oh, I mean, it was great. It was just, I don't know, for a nerd like me, just being surrounded by other trail runners was just it was a really good feeling uh the starting line was in this beautiful campground area where actually a lot of runners had actually spent the night before so they had they gave you an option there was a big lasagna dinner the night before and and (laughs) a whole bunch of bunk beds in this community center and so yeah so we we showed up and there was already tons of people there that had spent the night and were kind of warming up and uh, actually, I think I have a clip also from from me getting into the the area and sharing some thoughts. I'll play that right now. All right, we are at the bib checkup slash starting line for Shadow of the Giants 50K. It's about 6.30 in the morning. It's still pretty cold, but the forecast says that it is going to get up to, I think, 80, 80 degrees by noon. There's a lot of people out here, uh, a lot of trail runners, and there's also a lot of people in line for the bathroom waiting to partake in their, what I can only assume is their pre-race ritual. I want to give a special shout out to Tuan for rocking the bike suit today. Uh, which hopefully I'll go into more detail later. Feeling pumped. Going to do some warm-ups. So as I mentioned in that clip, uh, I was also still kind of waking up because I think that's why I said check up. I think I got check-in and pick-up. But uh, I have to highlight the fact that Tuan ran the entire 50K wearing uh, bike shorts or really like his biking suit, because as I mentioned in the beginning, these guys are all triathletes. And so we, Tuan basically said, look, this is how I train. He, you know, he'll do his runs after he does his bike rides. And so he did the entire 50 K with like a cycle cyclist butt pad (laughs) in his shorts. (laughs) And, and it was insane. He, he had, um, and his suit was like black. It was his black and red uh, tri suit, and that, and he did the whole thing in that, which was even even crazier to me. Wow. 
Tuan wasn't in the car though. Right. They drove separately. So the Got it. Viet and Tuan, the two brothers, they, they drove uh, in their own car. We met them at the starting line. So you show up, you pick your bib up and um, it's cold. And what are you doing to get ready? Like, or, you know, what time does the race start? You know, kind of what's going through your head at that point? So the, the race, the 50K started at 7 a.m., but they offered an early start of 6 a.m., which looking back, we all should have started at 6 a.m. Because the other, one of the mistakes I made was that I looked up the temperature of Oakhurst, California. Oh, no. Oh, no. And so there's a lot of, I guess they're microclimates. There's a lot of really weird microclimates up here where if you're on one side of the mountain versus another, it's a totally different weather system going on. And so Oakhurst was probably in the eighties, but when the sun came out and you're up on top of these mountains, it was, it, it, it had to be in the nineties. I mean, it was oh. really, really hot. And that was one thing that I was not prepared for. And I didn't even really train for was the uh, the the high high levels of heat that we were going to encounter. And but I mean, I'm talking like by 9:30, 10 a.m. I mean, it was it was hot, like it was just, yeah, the sun was out. So, uh, but anyway, back to the beginning of the race. I mean, I was just doing some some uh, stretches and and doing some like jogs around around the campground and also trying to drank a little bit of coffee. They had like a bunch of uh, like a snack table out there. There was like muffins and fruit and, and water Gatorade, stuff like that. So I was mainly just trying to like wake up, wake my body up and, and kind of warm up. They had some chips, nuts, stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's that, <laughs> that's exactly what they had at the aid stations. I was thinking that too, the chips, nuts, stuff like that. <laughs> The side story that we'll uh, get into later, but yes. <laughs> okay, so you um, you're you're fueling up and 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 yeah, take can, me. Well, let me before we we move on to please. Like, I have some footage of what it was like inside the the bib pickup area and the the refreshment zone. And so this you're going to hear from another one of the five thirty club members, uh, Rolando, who didn't do the race, but just came out to support us, which was awesome. And, and, uh, his wife, Ingrid and him, they both, they hosted us after the race, they, they cooked dinner for us. So again, just like more awesome people. And, and so I wanted to play this clip of Rolo inside the bit pickup area. Okay. Rolo, any predictions for today? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to be a great day. That's number one. Uh, I think, uh, Arnie wins. Arnie, all right. I think Arnie wins. No, I think you win. I Any, think he wins. Anyone who finishes wins today for the Rolo. Rolo's just excited to be here and uh, live vicariously through you guys. You guys give me inspiration, motivation, and I want to pass this on to the world. Perfect. Uh, and the only easy day is yesterday. Come on. All right, everybody's warming up. We're 10 minutes, T minus 10 minutes to start. Another big Goggins fan, Rolo. The only easy day is yesterday. Oh, my God. Okay, so the support is fully there. 530 Club is, is, is showing up, and um, it, it looked awesome in there. I mean, again, like, I, well, the, the most em emotional part to me about running is how it's supportive. I think, you know... It, you have people that just want to help you get through something. And I think that that is just one of the most beautiful things about running. And the fact that, that Rolo and, and Ingrid rolled up just to support you guys just speaks volumes to uh, um, someone's uh, personality and soul. And, and it's just, it, it's so cool to see. So I, I love that, that he's there uh, cheering you guys on and, 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 and you're 10 minutes away from the start. Yeah. I mean, it was, and like you mentioned, I mean, I was so blown away by, I mean, I think I feel this every race, but just the volunteers, the people staffing the aid stations, they were, they really were lifesavers and they had such a great attitude, especially when you're feeling low and you're out there for hours and hours. It was just such a, 
they just gave, they just had so much spirit about them. And I, I really, really appreciated them. And I really, hopefully one day you and I can go and staff an aid station. Cause I feel like it's such a, yeah, be so rewarding and, and it's just such a cool way to kind of give back. So yeah, shout out to Rolo, shout out to Ingrid and, and all of the volunteers uh, for this race. Who put this race on? San Joaquin Running. I believe that's the name of the organization. Uh, it was cool. It was, you know, very low key. I think there was like around 150 people that ran the race, uh, both races together, the 20K and 50K. So yeah, not a ton of people, um, but really, really well staffed you know all the aid stations had tons of food tons of snacks drinks like pretty much whatever you wanted there was candy everything there was beer at most of the aid stations of course fireball was at some of them too um there was mile 20 where they had otter pops so i was i was like throwing those down and yeah it was just just like all all good people all around I love it. So when do you start this thing? So 7 a.m. The they tell they call everybody to the starting line. And it was pretty standard start, nothing fancy, but as a bit of foreshadowing, the announcer goes, Oh, by the way, around mile 20, um, there's some fallen trees. So you know, we encourage you to be careful to, to take your time going over the trees. Even you fast runners out there, you're going to want to take your time going over these. And that was all they mentioned. And then they say, all right. And with that, let's start the race. They count us off and, and we go and I'll, I'll get into it later, but this fallen tree business was, it was brutal. It, it destroyed me. God. But yeah, the start was great. You know, it went smooth and I was, you know, I, I was feeling good. It was, I knew that it was a big climb. I think there was, the race started at around 5,000 feet and I think it topped off at 6,200 feet. And that was, I think that was all within the first eight miles. So you do a lot of climbing in the beginning. So my uh -huh. plan was just similar to the Death Valley race. My plan was just to take it easy uphill and then really try to push myself in the back half of the race on the downhill. But it was almost the exact same scenario for me where I think I must've pushed myself too hard in the beginning of the race because I just started cramping and, and feeling like shit, but I don't want to get in. We'll get into that in a little bit, but let me play you another clip where oh, yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's see where I'm at in this part of the race here. Sounds good. Here we go. We got yet yeah, right here. Go, Nearing the top. Closing in on mile eight. Almost to the highest point. We got Arnaldo behind me. Let's go. So that, yeah, at this point, we are still kind of on the same track with the 20K runners. And so... Part of my plan was just to hang on to Viet because he was, I knew he was a strong runner and I thought if I can keep up with him, I'll be good. So I was still feeling good around mile eight. Um, we were chit-chatting a lot and just kind of getting to know each other, but I was trying to take it pretty easy going up these hills, up basically up this mountain, because I just knew I was like, all right, I have, I have to do 32 miles today. I don't want to go too hard. So um, yeah, so I was just taking my time going up and I was feeling good at this point, honestly. Yeah. What was the climb? How, how high was it? I think that the highest point was 6,200, 6,200 okay. feet. Wow. The whole thing was, I don't think it dipped below 5,000 feet. So, I mean, that was another element in all of this too, right? Is the elevation, which was, again, was similar. My experience even though I got to do some runs up here and we did the Yosemite half, I mean, it's just, it's a totally different animal when you're that high up. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine. I, I remember definitely at um, Yosemite feeling just, you just feel weird. You just, your body feels a little off. It doesn't feel like it feels like at sea level. Yeah. So I could only imagine 
you know, you have that kind of added kind of concern going through your head as you're going through, you know, a 50K. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I was, and that's one of the things that's different about this kind of race too, right? Is there's, there's a lot of hiking involved. Um, well, at least for me, there is, you know, I was, I was hiking a lot of it and you're really just trying to stay on top of your nutrition and make sure you're hydrated. So yeah, I was eating a lot. I mean, all the eight stations I was, it was, they had spring energy, which I love. I love all the spring energy stuff. And, but then there was also pickles and potato chips. So I was eating a lot of those red vines, which are my favorite. And then, uh, and then Coke. Yeah. I was drinking a lot of Coke. So the question I always have is, is, are you running the entire time or are you hiking and walking a good part of it? Well, I mean, if you're, if you're elite, you're running the whole thing, but I was, my plan again, like my number one goal was to, was to finish. And so my plan was just to hike the uphills and try to pick up time on the downhill. So I would, uh, yeah. So that's what I would do if it was flat or slightly downhill, I would, I would push it a little bit. And then, and then if it got really steep, I would just power, try my best to power hike it. Um, eventually when the cramps got really bad, then I had to, to hike most of it, but you know, there was a lot of low points where I was, or yeah, where I was just, you know, I, I would try to push myself, but I, overall I felt great. You know, I felt like, right. Like I felt strong. I felt like I was my, I was in shape, but it was just my the cramps. I don't know what it is. I, I need really need to figure that out, but I was dealing with a lot of cramping. And so I don't know if I, maybe I kind of blew out my legs on some of the downhills going too fast or, you know, I, I, maybe I wasn't hydrated properly. I'm not sure. So I, I, that's something I need to figure out for the next race. Well, it's definitely still impressive. And, and if that's all you were dealing with, was some cramping, you were doing pretty good. So where are you now in the race? So we're, we're what, like seven miles in. So that was at mile, that clip came in at mile eight and that was okay. near, near the peak, near the highest point. And I think this next clip I'm going to play is at around mile 13. Let's see. All right. Just past, I think the third aid station, somewhere between mile eight and nine at around 6,000 feet walking this slight uphill got a can of coke and just realized that I left the aid station with the can so I'm gonna have to crush it this at some point and throw it in my pack but not too worried about it hoping to manage some cramps just take it easy for the next mile maybe this course keeps going uphill it is fucking hot already but very very beautiful very picturesque all right let's go oh my god mark <laughs> you're <laughs> you're sad and tired man yeah and like i said this was so it wasn't mile 13 quite yet we were at uh what was it mile what did I say? Mile eight or nine. So we still had a, um, we still had a lot, you know, I had a long way to go. And so I was, I was trying my best to manage it. Um, I, for some reason, you know, and I was trying to run with the Coke too, which I don't know if you've ever seen anybody try to run with like a soda can in their hand, but for some reason, the image of, of Jeffrey Tambor's character from, uh, the Larry Sanders shows like popping into my head. I don't know why. I just felt like I looked like him as I was running with a, this can of Coke. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was what was going on in my head. Maybe to kind of get my head out of how I was feeling. I always feel like if I'm running with a can of something that I'm like, like running with beer or something like that, even if it's like a can of soda or a can of, you know, bubbly water. Like, I just feel like I'm like some college frat boy, like running with like cans of beer. <laughs> Let me play this clip. Let's see where we are here. I think I recorded this one not long after. Great. Passing this beautiful meadow right now. 
Also forgot to mention right before the last aid station, the race photographer called me out for trying to go around the water crossing. And as soon as he called me out, I slid into the water. So now I'm, I got my right foot soaked. Left foot still dry though. So that was, that was another element of this race is that yeah, around mile nine or something, there was a water crossing. Oh, no. And they set up a race photographer there. And so I tried to cross over these rocks and logs so as to not get my feet wet because I didn't want to have to deal with, you know, wet feet for 20 more miles. And so I think a lot of people aren't afraid of the water like me and just charge through it. And I've noticed from looking at past photos of the race, too, it's something that people seem to be very proud of, but <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm going to be safe. I don't want to get wet. I just, I want to just, yeah, I'm going to play it conservative and just go across on these logs. And so I'm crossing on the log and then the race photographer yells at me, Hey, it doesn't count if you don't get wet, but what? he, the way he yelled it startled me. Like I thought that I was, I don't know. I thought there was something like uh, dangerous about to like befall me and I slipped. And so my right foot went into the water. So I ended up getting wet anyway. And I think he managed to shoot photos of all that. So hopefully those will be out soon and I can share those with everybody. I have to say to the listeners, the images that Mark's showing is just beautiful. Like this is some of the best terrain to run in, it looks like. And you know, before we go deeper and deeper into the the brutality of this race, um, how did it feel for you to just be running in some of this unbelievably gorgeous environment? Amazing. It was the big realization or one of the realizations I've had is that running, especially after doing a, a race like this at this distance, running is a, it's just a way for me to spend time outdoors and Hiking is what initially drew me to the outdoors. And so yeah. running is just a way for me to kind of stay in shape and allows me to kind of, yeah, keep hiking. And, and ultra running is really, you know, there's a lot of hiking involved. You can't obviously it's it, unless you're an elite athlete, you're not running this entire distance. And so, you know, yeah, it's just kind of you're, you're hiking, you're trying to push yourself a little bit, see you know, see how, like how far you can push yourself, how fast you can go. But really it's just about being outside, being, it's getting, being able to access these beautiful remote places. Um, So yeah, I think for me, that's what ultra running means to me and, and why I'm so attracted to it, why I'm drawn to it, want to continue to do more races like this, but it is. Yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, we, in this last video, I showed Chris, I mean, there, we were running past this beautiful Alpine meadow and um, the first 13 miles of the race were, were beautiful. And I'll play some clips later where my view of that changes a little bit, but. Ah, okay. <laughs> well, let's keep going. Um, as Mark continues uh, his epic 50 K up in Yosemite. All right, I'm just past the halfway point, just over 15 miles, and there is no one around me. It is so desolate. And I thought I was getting lost at times, and then I'd see another flag or marker for the course. But it's so beautiful right now. But I'm also dealing with some pain. I just keep thinking of the Millennium Falcon for some reason. Like my body is the Millennium Falcon and inside me is Han Solo and Chewbacca just screaming at each other. And every time they try to go fast, some engine craps out or something and they just start hitting things until they could get it going again. That's how I feel like I'm managing this race. Just throwing things, seeing what works. Anyway, hopefully check in when I get to the next aid station.
Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I can <laughs> I can relate. I <laughs> I my have I mentioned this on the podcast? I don't think so. I visualize when I'm running um I think of a guy driving a tractor and like but it's like a tractor where he can like sit behind a control board and he's like just throwing like maybe he's more like a train conductor right like he's got like a room and he's sitting there drinking coffee and he's throwing wood into a furnace and when I'm running really well he's just sitting there drinking coffee and he's like all right every he's like looking at meters and everything's going good but the minute things start going wrong he's like freaking out and he's like and then when I'm like bonked he's dead on the ground (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that's exactly it you nailed it i mean that was the that was the exact feeling i had where that i was my body was this kind of machine that was breaking down and whoever the pilots or operators or engineers were that were making it go were were freaking out because everything was just shutting down and um and and then what was also I, get, I didn't mention in the clip, but like I just started to think I was visualizing the aid stations as like these remote outposts that I needed to get to. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I just got to get to this. You know, I got one more run. I just got one more one more shipment I need to drop off. And, and that was like what was carrying me through to, to get to the next aid station. Okay, so you're 15 miles in. Chewie and Han are screaming at each other. So at this point, um, I, Viet starts to leave me because we were at the highest point going uphill and, and I had to slow down. I had to like cool off and, and Viet just kept going. So this is where I start to get lost more or less. Like I'm just on my own. And at this point, we start to enter this zone that I called the gauntlet. The gauntlet was this seven mile stretch through burned out forest where there was no tree cover because all of the the leaves had burned off the trees were were blackened and charred and the trees that were dead uh the forest service had cut them down and they hadn't removed them they just left them on the trail and so the race director the announcer this is the area that they had mentioned so it was literally seven miles of burned out forest where you had to use your whole body, you know, your hands and arms to climb over these logs for and seven miles for seven miles and in no tree cover. I mean, it's just the sun's beating down on you the entire time. When you get to the end of the seven miles, there's an aid station there. Then you do a, a two mile loop around Nelder Grove, which is where those trees are that I mentioned. Then you have to go back the way you came to go back to the finish line. So 14 miles of the race, nearly half the race is this burned out forest area. And it was brutal. This is when I was, I mean, people were showing up, coming back to the finish line, just blackened, like their legs and arms were covered in ash from going over these logs. And it was, I mean, that, yeah, I was just hiking that point. I I think anytime I would, I just couldn't run. I mean, I was, I was dehydrated. Uh, I went through all my water and, and, uh, you know, at this point, I'm just trying to get to the next aid station and you can't even, it almost becomes a, it really turns into kind of an adventure at this point, because you're so far out also that there's, I don't, I mean, I sure, I'm sure they have some kind of rescue protocol, but there's really no, it's not like a road race where you just can step off and be like, all right, I'm done. Like, I'm not feeling this anymore. Like, you're so far out that your best option is just to keep going so you can go back. Fuck. <laughs> so l- let me play this, this next clip. Cause I think I may be, this may be in the, the gauntlet zone. Let's see. Just left the aid station at mile 20. They were fucking lifesavers there. They hooked me up with, some salty snacks, some pickled juice. They even gave me a Coke to go. So now it's the home stretch. I think there's there's this last leg and then I'll be done. 
Had you gone through the gauntlet once at that point? Yeah, so I'd gone through it once. I had made it to, yeah, the mile 28 station. And then you do that loop and then you go back to that same aid station. So I got to see those people twice and they were, they really were lifesavers for me. Cause I was, like I said, I was dehydrated and that was one of my lowest points and they were playing music. They just, they were well stocked with everything. Uh, yeah. I was just, I was chowing down. I got to actually like slow down and take a break and stop and just, just collect my myself and, and keep pushing on. The other thing that happened at that aid station was they had a woman who was, um, well, they had a lot of ice. So they were putting ice on people too. So I put some ice in my hat and then they had a woman who was spraying everybody down to keep them, uh, keep them wet. And as she was spraying me, I thought I was being electrocuted. I thought my phone was like shorting out or something because I felt this like sharp pain. And I looked down at my left arm where the pain was and there was a bee stinging me. <laughs> so I like a bee had landed on me at the aid station and the, the water spray had like freaked it out and it was like caught in my, my shirt. And, and so then, yeah, I ended up with a bee sting. Mark, you're just going through fucking like never ending story. Like, a Treyu death sequence. <laughs> Bees are stinging you. You know, you're looking forward to, you know, red vines. You are in it, bro. You are in it. The crazy part is this is actually the second time I've been stung while running. The other time was in London. I, I literally ran into a bee. It hit me in the neck and then stung me in the neck as I was running. So I knew I wasn't allergic or anything like that. But I was just worried that my body was going to have some kind of weird, not, not like an allergic reaction, but more just that like the wound was going to get infected or something. But uh, I think the sting actually helped a little bit because aren't there like healing properties to bee stings? Like they reduce inflammation or something. Cause I think after that, I, I did feel a little bit better. So I don't know if it's a placebo thing or what, but, or maybe just the pain had kind of shifted from my legs to my arm. Yeah, I think there's something in the venom that is uh, anti-inflammatory. I do think I don't know exactly what it is, but I do know that um, I do know that that is hysterical that that happened to you. I can definitely say that. <laughs> so, how do you cope when you get to that low level? Like when you're that low, how you know? I have my ways of doing it, but what do you do? You have to have your mantras. I think that's a big part of it. You have to be really good at motivating yourself to keep going and also dealing, just being able to deal with the pain. I think I, I don't like the idea of glamorizing suffering or anything like that. And I, I don't think I'm a masochist, but there is some kind of, there's something about whether it's running or, you know, the other time I think I've experienced this has been when I've gotten tattooed and that you feel, I think just the, the, the constant sensation of pain, the way your body starts to deal with it is just very interesting to me. And there's, I'm sure there's a, a medical explanation for it. Like your body probably releases adrenaline or, or chemicals to kind of cope with the pain, but yeah, just being able to motivate yourself, being able to deal with the pain. I say this a lot to people too, that most people, like anybody can run a marathon it's just about how fast you want to do it. And then it really just becomes about pain management. And so I think that was a lot of what was going on in this race of just trying my best to stay, to keep my nutrition on track, to stay hydrated and, and just to manage the pain to make sure that I could make it to the end. It was also just, like I mentioned before, I mean, it was just a matter of, I, I, I do want this to end. I want to, I want this pain to go away and the easiest way to make it go away is to is to get to the finish line is just to get to the end of the race god yeah so true so true yeah i i do think it's interesting about pain because i i was talking to someone about it and there is something um so informative about uh suffering you know and i think that it's 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 not to glamorize it by any means, but it's it's definitely doing more than just making you feel terrible. 
it's it's informing you uh and you're learning a lot while you're having it happen to you so uh, i think that that i can relate to that because i i find that i don't think i'm a masochist either i actually find that i appreciate the other lessons this kind of this thing is teaching me yeah and and maybe pain isn't even the right word for it maybe it's better to say discomfort because sure i don't want to yeah i don't want to give people the impression that we're we're trying to damage our bodies even though some people would probably say we are on that yeah but i think that there's a yeah like you said it's about understanding your limits and seeing how you and your body handles levels of discomfort and because yeah most of our lives are are comfortable these days and so putting the putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and and introducing challenges into your life i think is a good thing so that's another reason why i think i want to keep pursuing this i don't see you stopping anytime soon (laughs) so so where are we now at the race all right well let's see this or actually before i play this clip i should also mention so this is probably um this is post beasting so i think i'd gone through the loop around the giant sequoia trees and was starting to go back into the gauntlet and it's around this time that i run into indolfo because now i'm starting to pass people like to see the people that are going towards me and so i see indolfo and indolfo is already wearing the finisher's medal around his neck. Oh God. And I'm like, we see each other and, and we're smiling and I'm like, dude, what's going on? Like, why do you have the, the medal on you? And he goes, Oh man, I, I made a wrong turn. And instead of going out to the 50 K, I went the other way towards the finish line and I <laughs> went straight to the 20 K finish line. And so he had made a four mile detour to the finish line, crossed the finish line, and they gave him the medal. And he's like, wait, what's going on? Like, I, I'm supposed to be doing the 50K. And he decided to go out back where he came from and finish the race. So he ended up doing, I think, 36 miles total. And he was just laughing about it. Like, oh, man, like, wasn't that dumb of me? Like, oh, well, like, now I get to run more. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, <laughs> someone should name an energy drink after him. Yeah, seriously. So he was he was a beast that day, and it was good to see him because, like I mentioned, I mean, I was I was just on my own. Like the race had really spread out at that point, and because I knew how bad those seven miles were, I thought that I had prepared well enough to go back and and do them again. But it, this time it was going slightly uphill right between i think this was between miles uh 23 and 30 so between miles 23 and 30 it was slightly uphill through the gauntlet and i just i ran out of everything i ran out of water and i actually managed to catch up to this woman melissa and i don't know if she'll ever listen to this but she gave me some water at mile i think mile 29 because on the map, I was actually looking at the map and it said there was supposed to be an aid station at mile 29 and, and they fucked up the calculation and it was actually at mile 30. So I'd miscalculated it, run out of water. And I was, yeah, I mean, I was dehydrated. I wasn't sweating. I was experiencing symptoms. I started to not full on hallucinate, but like just have weird things go on. Oh yeah. You know, like, like our friend John Radich mentioned and yeah, I mean, it was, it was a trip. I was, I was like, that's when again like a, another really low point around mile 29 but uh yeah melissa carried me into into the mile 38 station so shout out to her yeah i i'm i'm just blown away mile 29 jesus so actually i think this next clip might be from mile just after mile 26 so this is okay. kind of sharing some some of my thoughts at this point so we have officially passed 26.2 miles according to my watch and this is now uncharted territory for me i've never run in a race past 26.2 so still have about five miles to go and i feel fucking wild 
Yeah, man. So wait, so yeah, that that's a the great question. Like this could be a question unto itself. Like what is that uncharted territory feel like from 26 to 32? It's hard to put into words. I think because of the just the overall nature of the race, the 26 number was meaningless. You know, because it just it felt like there was so much I still had to, I knew that I had like five or six miles to go and I was in a lot of pain at that point. Right. It didn't really even feel like an accomplishment or anything. It didn't really feel like I, it was just about putting one foot in front of the other and just to keep going. And, and when I could, I would push myself and try to jog, run a little bit. And, and then, but it was a lot of that just like, running for a little bit, then slowing down, running for a little bit, slowing down, like just trying to manage, manage the pain and the cramps at that point um, to make sure that I didn't have like a, yeah, like a full, like it didn't really hurt myself basically. And then just get stuck out there on the trail. When did you start feeling like the end was in sight? At the mile 38 station, that's when it really turned around for me because at that point I had a better idea of but it, it just seemed more manageable, right? Like at that point, right? I knew that the, two miles. Yeah, yeah, I knew that there was about two miles to go, and and we had passed through the gauntlet. <laughs> so I knew <laughs> that at the very least there was going to be shade, right? I knew that because it was it was almost God, yeah. Of course, I want to say it was almost ten degrees cooler when you're in the shade, so right? That as long as I made it into the shaded area with trees that I would be okay. So I remember just at the last aid station, drinking a bunch of Coke, eating some potato chips and some pickles. And, and then I actually felt really good. Like, I think everything started to turn around in a sense. I was able to run. Like I just, I actually like picked up my pace a lot and ran in the last two miles, which was cool. Cause I was able to catch up with people. And yeah, like I said, I think just having that feeling that it was going to come to an end <laughs> was <laughs> really turn everything around for me and push me to the end. And, and the last two miles were beautiful because you run through these trees and then you start to kind of get into civilization again. There's some ranches and some horse stables. And then there's this beautiful trail for like a half mile that goes through these ferns. And so you're just running through this beautiful meadow fern area. And then that, carries you back into fish camp and then you go over this uh wooden bridge and then that's when i could hear the you know all the noise and the cheers and stuff and then once i heard the cheers it was like oh hell yeah like let's go this is it and then i was like running on clouds at that point like i couldn't i didn't feel anything like i was just so relieved to be done <laughs> with the whole thing so i have a clip of me running through the finish line i'll play that Bam, baby. Congratulations. It wasn't pretty, but it was good. That was awesome. Brandy, you're a fine girl. What a good life you could be. I knew you would know that song. I, I couldn't idea it, and I was like, I bet Chris will know which song this is. That was the other weird thing, too. This happened to me at the Yosemite. I guess it's happened at all the races we've done, but I, it's like my ears turn off. And I can uh -huh. remember the music because I, I loved the moment you said where you ran in and you were hearing Tears for Fears. I, yeah. I never have that moment. It's like all my senses shut down and then I'm just, my focus is just to get to the end. So I, yeah, I was like, when I got to the end, I was just kind of in shock and, and yet had already finished. He finished like 20 or 30 minutes before me. So he was there waiting for me. And then Arnaldo and Lori, they did the 20K. So they... Thankfully, they hung out. They waited hours for us to come in, but they were there waiting with chicken soup and beer and and yeah. And then we just kind of hung out and waited for the rest of the team to finish and cheered on the other runners. Chicken soup. Yeah. So I that was the I guess there was also I mean there was a bunch of stuff. There was cookies, um, bread. I don't know. I just remember eating 
some uh what was it hawaiian or no it was like yeah just bread and soup i don't know i think just the the uh the broth and the salt and, and the pasta the chicken noodle soup all of that just really helped a lot so i was uh in heaven at that point give me the answer to this how did you feel finishing it and how are you feeling right now honestly when i finished i was really disappointed huh. i think i I had different expectations for myself. My first goal was to finish. And then my second goal was, I honestly thought I could get under six hours. Um, and I was basing that off of the Death Valley race because I finished that one in about, it was like four hours and 40 minutes. And so, and that one, I, I had really bad cramps too going uphill. So I thought, I thought I was in better shape. I thought that I you know, I'd done other, like had done some cross training. And so I just felt better. And I, I thought, okay, I'm going to really push myself. And I, like I said, I wanted to keep up with Viet. I knew he was a strong runner. So I think when I finished, I think I was just disappointed a little bit that didn't hit six hours. I, I think I ended up finishing just over seven, like seven and, and something you know, which is still good. I mean, I was, I still am like now that, and that's kind of what I mentioned in the beginning of this, of this episode where I've, now that I've had a few days to kind of reflect on it and come to terms with it all, I'm just happy. Like, I'm glad that I had that experience because it's a different feeling, right? Like it's a different atmosphere. Like, yes, there are people that are, you know, that are fast and, and want to want to win, but for me, it's more just about being outside and, and, you know, enjoying nature and getting to spend time with friends and family. And it's a totally different atmosphere when, you know, you're not, it's not like the LA marathon where you're surrounded by thousands and thousands of people. It's like you're sure. hours alone <laughs> in the forest. And when you get to the aid station, there's beer there waiting for you. You know, it's a different, it's a totally different kind of feeling and, and vibe to the whole thing. So Physically, I, I feel fine. You know, I, I think because I was hiking so much of it, you know, I don't think I, my body took the pounding that it would have if I had been running, but, you know, I was sore for, for a couple of days, the five thirty crew that was up here, we went for a bike ride the day after, which was really great. We rode around Bass Lake and that helped kind of flush out some of the lactic acid and, and wow. helped with some of the soreness that we were all feeling. So now, you know, now I feel great. I don't know what, I don't have plans right now. I don't have another race lined up or anything like that, but, but I am excited about getting stronger and, and just, yeah, continuing to, to do this and to try to find, no, no, more, more people, more racers to connect with more people that are into this kind of thing. Cause it's overall, it was just such a cool experience. I think the five thirty club crew is going to come out here next year and do it again. So, I mean, I would love for you, Chris, to be a part of that and, and do this one with us. Hopefully the burned out area will have some regrowth and won't be so dry and hot, or maybe we'll just get a better weekend where it's just not as hot, but yeah. Man, I would, I would be honored. That would be so fun. I, uh, I very much want to do, uh, a 50k and 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 just listening to you explain this makes it seem that much more doable and um i i i just uh i have to say congratulations mark i mean i i know that you might personally kind of beat yourself up a little bit but from listening to your story what you just embarked upon was just so remarkable and and um you know again like it just one of the things i've learned about in doing this podcast is people have so many different relationships with running, but the ones that I light up the most with are those who really appreciate accomplishment. And, um, I think that you did that with this and it just, it's, I'm just so proud of you and, and hyped to, to, to get all of this awesome, uh, stuff for our show. Thanks. Yeah. Maybe I can play this one last clip of, uh, I recorded Indolfo coming in. So maybe I can, can share this to help inspire you. 
35. How was it? Congratulations. Thank you. It was hot. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I finished. Yeah, you made it, man. Okay, I want to walk a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah, I want to walk a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, I think his, that attitude of like, dude, I'm finished. I'm happy. Like, it's just happy to have the opportunity to be able to do this stuff, to be able to yeah. get outdoors and spend a day in the forest. I mean, that's, that's like, how can you not be happy about that? Right. We kind of maybe build it up to be more of this uh, movie moment in life where you're just finishing this thing. But at the end of the day, it, it's just, we're enjoying, you know, four to six hours of our life. And, you know, we're entering into this time where anything is possible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's about, it's, it's, and I think that's, I guess what I like about your approach to it, what, what we're trying to do with Never Not Run is to kind of, I mean, ultimately there's a race is a race. It's always going to be a competition, but there's something sure. really beautiful when you remove the competitive element to it. And it just becomes about pushing yourself and seeing what you're capable of instead of trying to beat the person that's next to you. Yeah, I, I agree. I, um, I had this one moment and maybe this ties into it where I was doing, uh, take the bridge and, you know, I'm standing on some street corner in Boyle Heights and, you know, there's all these runners kind of scattered around trying to get through things. And I look to this one runner and I just go, this is so much fun. And he kind of glitches a little bit and he's like, uh, yeah, God, I, I have to keep reminding myself, this is a lot of fun. And it's easy to get caught up in that competitive energy, but at the core of all of this, we're just, we're, we're doing something we really enjoy to do and, 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 and have really found it or it has found us. Um, but man, Mark, do you have any, any closing thoughts or anything, uh, that you'd like to share on this episode? Cause I'm just, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, this is just so impressive. I was not a kid that liked the outdoors when I was, when I was young, I was, uh, I was such an indoor kid and so much of my, my job and my, my kind of world, my skills has been inside, been in studios. And so to reconnect or not even to reconnect, I mean, just to connect period with, with nature and being outdoors like this, it's a really it really inspires me and like fills me with a lot of like happiness and joy to think that I get to, to do this. And, and I'm excited for, for like what's in store. Right. And for the other challenges that I'm going to put in front of me. So, yeah, I think it's just, if anything, I hope that, yeah, if people kind of see me doing it and they think, wow, maybe I can do that too. Not that I'm trying to necessarily inspire people, but just like, I don't know, whatever it is just to kind of, even if it's, and it doesn't even have to be an endurance thing, just like whatever it is, just switch it up. I love that, man. Well, again, congratulations. And, and I want to say thank you, you know, and, and, and thank you for getting out there and, and, and uh, recording all of that awesome footage while you were on, the, on, on a race. That's, that's, a, that's a, a, a challenge unto itself. All right, well, should we wrap it up then? This was episode 14 of the Never Not Run Pod. Mark, take us out. Thanks for listening.